Welcome to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Since 1937, MUCC has been committed to conserve, protect, and enhance Michigan's natural resources and outdoor heritage. Now, here's your host, Mike Avery. Welcome once again to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. My name is Mike Avery. And I have such respect for Michigan United Conservation Clubs and the people in that organization. They do so much with so little. And I'm talking about a small number of people, a budget that's really not that big, but their impact is far greater. A real pleasure this time around to talk with new executive director, Amy Trotter. We've talked to Amy before, but not when she was executive director. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mike. So, how does it feel? Have you adjusted to the new new title? Is this something you ever thought that you uh, position you ever thought you'd be in, Amy? Well, I you know when I started back a dozen years ago at MUCC, I don't think I did ever envision it. But you know, I was young and uh, you know certainly happy working in my policy role. Um, Dan and I often joked, you know, when he became executive director and I was deputy director that we would probably retire together. <laughs> you know, we could, we could see each other, you know, and see ourselves in these roles, um, you know, from now into the future. Um, but certainly you can't blame the guy when he got the opportunity to serve as the new director of the Michigan Department of Natural Resources. Uh, you've got to jump at that opportunity. So, I'm I'm very pleased that our executive board was uh, willing to to slot me in as the next executive director because um, certainly I have a, a passion and a, a deep love for this organization in my time here and uh, I only want to help it grow and and continue our uh, great successes that we've had. Well, and Amy, from what I've heard, there was absolutely no hesitation on the part of the board. When they heard Dan was moving along, they said, absolutely, Amy is the person we want. Um, It seems to me everybody I've talked to has complete confidence in your abilities. Well, I really appreciate that. You know, I I hope I... uh I've demonstrated, you know, uh, that I, that I'm capable. Um, I, like I said, I've, I've been here almost a dozen years now and, and most people know me from my role in the policy world, but certainly over the last three or four years, I've, um, deepened uh, my understanding of our budget and, um, governance and, and how the organization works. So I, I feel pretty well equipped to, uh, to handle all the changes here and, you know, um, one of the biggest things I just need to get through is just some of the paperwork, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just uh, changing my name on all these documents is uh, almost more overwhelming. I want to get to the business of conservation, but you got to you got to get through some of that stuff first. Well, and you've talked about policy a couple of times. Absolutely. You've been well known for your expertise in policy. And now that you have moved along to the executive director's job and you're going to be tied up in some other areas, does that leave a void? Should we be worried that there's nobody to fill the role that you left as far as the policy wonk? No, definitely there should be no worry there because I'm not going anywhere. And certainly policy is is still part of my portfolio as executive director. Um, uh, We do have some staff positions open, so I will be filling um, the role of a policy assistant. And, And my desire there is really to 
to hire someone, hopefully kind of where I was 12 years ago and, and grow them into the same role that I've always had where, you know, working with the Natural Resources Commission, um, tracking legislation, you know, helping our members with the resolution process, all of those things. I mean, there, there's no one really out there that, um, you know, I know of right now. Uh, but certainly we've got a stable of former interns out there that have been involved in this organization. There's a lot of legislative partners that we've worked with. So I'm hoping to fill that role fairly quickly and, um, you know, get them up and running. And uh, But my involvement's not going anywhere when it comes to, to the big picture policy direction. And the other thing that we do have um, – that we've developed in the last few years is a, a relationship with a, a multi-client lobbyist, McKelvey Merchant Associates. And that's been a really great uh, business relationship where we don't have to be downtown in Lansing every day, all day. Certainly we are sometimes when, when big things are moving, but there are eyes and ears down there. They've got the cell phone numbers of every legislator and staffer down there. Um, and, you know, we're still calling the shots in terms of positions, but they really help us to be more effective downtown because they've uh, cultivated a lot of those relationships a lot more directly and spend all their time down there. I would think this would be a very exciting position for you to be in because, granted, you can't just have carte blanche. You have people you have to report to, obviously. But now, as the executive director, you can kind of take the organization in whatever direction to whatever degree that you want. A very exciting, but a lot of responsibility. It is a lot of responsibility. And, you know, thankfully, all of our, our past executive directors, you know, that I've served under, um, have done a great job, you know, putting us in a good financial position, you know, creating and maintaining some excellent programs that we're well known for across the state. So, you know, my job is a lot easier than it has been <laughs> over over time when, you know, the picture wasn't as rosy. But, um, you know, growth is, is sort of my, my key theme. And, um, you know, we have an award-winning on-the-ground public land habitat program. Um, but how do we involve more corporations and volunteers within, you know, businesses that want to come out maybe on weekdays and develop those kind of um, habitat projects uh, that's part of their their job and their um, charitable giving of their corporations? Um, so we want to look at how we can expand that. Um, our, our Michigan Outdoor Youth Camp is, is continuing to be really close to filling up every year. And so over time, you know, maybe we look at expanding another week. You know, those those are things that I'm certainly interested in, in seeing through and seeing how we can do these things. Um, wildlife cooperatives, we're expanding our reach across the state. We now have our first wildlife cooperative up in the Upper Peninsula. So, uh, and these are really just, you know, groups of landowners working together and, you know, we're facilitating conversations about habitat with them. So uh, definitely want to continue to grow that. And then, you know, us best for, you know, communications. And uh, we certainly have a, a great magazine, Michigan Out of Doors, Tracks Magazine. You know, I, I don't need to change a lot. I just have to make sure that, you know, we keep uh putting good stuff out into the world and making sure that we can find ways to um, to pay for it all. And, and that's <laughs> going to be a bigger role of mine is probably the, the fundraising aspect. When you talk about communication, uh, boy, you were, you were barely into the new job title 
when you folks had this huge announcement. You had a major uh, press release in Lansing uh, talking about the true economic impact of hunting and fishing in Michigan. Uh, but I suspect, though, that you had been working on that for a while and, and you, well, let me rephrase. Were there any surprises about the results of that uh, uh, project? Well, when we first had this concept and we pitched it to the C.S. Mott Foundation, who was ultimately funder for it, they were very excited. But we were cautioned by some people of, you know, don't ask questions you don't know the answer to, because we might not like the information that we found out after going through this study. And we, you know, our response to that is, well, if it isn't so rosy, shouldn't we know that, too? Um, and uh, so we endeavored on this project, yeah, about two years ago. Um, and I, I was pleased to, you know, be the face of it, certainly in my uh, second week of work, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> the executive director. Um, but, you know, Dan had really invested a lot of time and effort in, in cultivating this study with Michigan State University's Eli Broad uh, College of Business. So, um, which is great because now we have a DNR director that also knows the ins and outs of uh, the economic impact that hunting, fishing, and trapping brings to Michigan. And what you found out basically is that that impact is twice, roughly, what was previously thought. Yeah, so the the results show that it's $11.2 billion each year as uh, as to an economic impact in this state. So that is more than twice what the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service numbers that we've used for years. And what that results in is even more exciting. That's 171,000 jobs that's created and supported each year by hunting, fishing, and trapping, making us really in the top 10% of the state's job creation industries. So now what do you do with that information? Now that you have the hard numbers, what's next? Well, certainly, you know, the, the Michigan legislature is just getting back into town here in Lansing. Um, and uh, the first thing I'm going to do is, is share the results of the study with all of them. Um, I'm actually going to be on the agenda of the House Natural Resources Committee uh, next week when I, I present not only about MUCC, but about these numbers. And what we want to do is, you know, obviously leverage that. Um, we've always known that we had a big population, you know, we're, we're 700,000 hunters and 1.1 million anglers. Um, now we've got the dollars to, to bring that as well. And certainly when it comes to, you know, some of the dicey issues that we're going to be facing in the next couple of years, like trying to modernize our commercial fishing statute laws or create a regulatory structure on commercial guiding, you know, we're going to have to show these numbers to show how in balance and, and looking at, you know, whatever is PFAS contamination or chronic wasting disease or any of our threats to fish and wildlife, we want to make sure that we're showing that this, this is what's at stake. So, you know, we want to make sure to protect and then also enhance uh, these natural resources because this is big business. I, I also found it interesting that the uh, third tier, we'll call it, of your, of your plan was to obviously encourage people to get involved in hunting and fishing, but with the angle of let's look in different geographic and different demographic areas than maybe what we have concentrated on in the past. I think that's very uh, open-minded and, and, and maybe the way or one of the key ways that we keep our numbers up. Yeah, certainly we, you know, we know that um, 
hunters and anglers nationally are on a decline. Um, but it, you know, we can do what we can to not only make sure that these existing hunters and anglers are, are producing more in terms of use, but we do need to do a better job of diversifying our populations nationally and in Michigan are much more diverse than if you would look at our hunting public um, represents. So that should be an easy growth area, especially like with fishing, where it's a relatively low investment. But we just need to, you know, we need to get on the same page in terms of um, being more engaged in, in different communities. So um, one of the ideas that, uh, for example, the state of Nebraska has done is is offer up a Spanish language digest in for for their hunting and fishing guides. Um, you know, we got to actually uh, present some of this information if we want people to be able to use it. And we got to bring bring the information to them because they're not always going to come to us because, you know, traditionally we are not as um, we are a lot more of a monoculture, I guess, mm-hmm. than than mm-hmm. we'd like to present. Well, and, and it, it it doesn't it seem clear these days that the way that we've done things in the past with just kind of sitting back and and taking um, not as proactive of a role. I, I think those days are gone. I don't care if it's uh, legislative issues, if it's promoting our cause, if it's bringing people into our way of life. Uh, the days of sitting back and letting somebody else do it are over with. I think I think we have to decide that we're going to do it now. We do need to be engaged more than ever. I mean, there is just such a diversity of issues out there that our legislature is dealing with. Um, you know, there's there's a lot more even just within the Natural Resources Commission and their, you know, smaller sphere of hunting and fishing regulations. There's just a lot more um, push and pull on the resource that that's out there. And, uh, you know, so we need to certainly work together to solve some of these problems, ideally not in front of the legislature. You know, I want to work to to build coalitions and to get this stuff hammered out and presented on a silver platter to them, which takes a lot more work, um, you know, in terms of facilitating those conversations and, and, and building support for an idea that we can deliver where everybody's, you know, linking arms and singing kumbaya that's that's uh certainly uh it's a it's a high bar but for some of these things you know uh when they smell of controversy it's it makes it a legislator who has to worry about getting reelected. um you know they don't they don't want to touch these dicey issues so we need to do more work to build those coalitions in advance and and help to bring um, bring some of these issues so that they're easy votes for them rather than a, a very difficult and arduous process. This is the Michigan Out of Doors podcast, a presentation of the Michigan United Conservation Clubs. If you want to learn more, the website mucc.org, mucc.org. The Facebook page, facebook.com slash mucc1937, and on Instagram, at MUCC 1937. We are talking with Executive Director Amy Trotter about what her plans are, what her goals are, and uh, maybe where the organization is uh, headed. And Amy, you mentioned budget before. Boy, that's something you can never get away from, is it? That's always, uh, I got to believe it's always hanging over your head. Where's the money going to come from? 
Yeah, that's that's the reality of running a nonprofit, and so we're certainly not blind to that fact. And we've done a good job at diversifying our our different funding revenues here at MUCC. But certainly, we have you know we have more room to grow in that as well. Um, one thing that uh, just happened last year. Uh, around this time was um, the creation of an endowment fund for MUCC, something we haven't had in some time. And that was because we were able to actually sell our building and property um, uh, to to another entity, and then they are basically our landlords and we're leasing back space. But um, we needed a more we needed to really liquidate that declining asset of uh, real estate that we had that we didn't have the funding to put into the building and keep it safe and healthy for our staff here. So um, we were able to liquidate that and then uh, transfer that money, though, to an endowment account where, you know, we're not trying to live off that money on, on a day-to-day, but we want to grow that and then be able just to, to, to use just the interest and earnings from it to um, help stabilize our organization. So that's really what that fund allows us to do. So I'll be looking for different ways to uh, grow that endowment account and uh, certainly attract donors of a, of a different giving capacity than we have in the past. So will that be a large part of your new title then? Is you, you, You'd already mentioned you want to bring in or you want to form partnerships with new types of groups and organizations and companies. Does that go hand in hand then with maybe trying to do a little fundraising from those entities? Certainly. Yep. So I, uh, that is an area that um, I need to expand kind of within my uh, portfolio here. And one thing that's great is that um, Michigan United Conservation Clubs is a state affiliate of the National Wildlife Federation. And they, just like us, are an umbrella organization of many affiliates across the nation. Um, I just recently attended, uh, on my fifth day of the job, I think, um, <laughs> Uh, a great conversation where they had all the executive directors of all of these state organizations um, down to Nashville. And it was just an opportunity to share ideas and, and bounce new programs off of each other and kind of talks about the pros and cons of whatever it might be, staffing, fundraising, kind of all those challenges of um, the nonprofit world, but talking with people that are actually working with within the conservation sphere was um, was great. So, you know, I have a lot of different ideas that I've garnered from them. Um, certainly there are, you know, other resources here in the state that we look to as well. Um, but yeah, that is definitely going to be something that I'm, I'm working a lot more on um, is, is trying to make sure that we're properly resourced for what we do day to day, but that we have our eye towards this long-term stability in terms of growing our endowment fund as well. Do you feel like you have a good handle on what is on the horizon? I mean, you've got CWD, you've got Asian carp, we've got declining uh, numbers of hunters and anglers, yet we have so many good things out there as well. Is there something that's going to come along that's going to rock our world and surprise you, or, or are you feeling pretty good about the future? I'm an optimist, I guess, but I'm also a realist. So I remember the day when chronic wasting disease first happened here in Michigan. I was, you know, only a year into my career here at MUCC then. And, you know, everybody just held their breath and embraced 
for impact, you know, and, and thankfully we didn't see the impact until much later. But, um, you know, things like that are always going to come. Um, MUCC is, is really well positioned for one. We've been around for a long time. We've, we've seen all kinds of things happen over time and, you know, we've survived despite any kind of hiccups or new threats or challenges. Um, you know, conservation in general is always going to find some kind of new pollutant. I mean, we didn't know much about PFAS just uh, 10 years ago even. So, you know, there's always going to be new and emerging threats, but our organization is strong because of its membership, because we care about conservation and we are more than just hunters, anglers, and trappers as well. Um, and the other thing that we have done over the time, over time is, is to develop a strategic plan so that our executive board and our staff kind of know what our, our goals are for each year and for the long term to, to make sure that, you know, we're not doing things that aren't within our wheelhouse, that we're not trying to be all the things like we maybe once were, but, you know, that we're making sure that we're focusing on the things that which we're really good at and, you know, developing our expertise in those areas. Do you see an increased emphasis uh, coming up on, you mentioned membership. Do you see an increased emphasis on membership or is it the type of thing that MUCC is, is kind of always involved in pushing membership? What's, what's going to happen there, Amy? Yeah, our club membership is pretty stable and, and strong. Um, certainly though, as you look at the spectrum there, the shooting ranges of which a lot of our member clubs are, um, have been in, in decline in some areas and extreme growth in other areas. So it's, it's pretty different depending on who they are and, and where they are. Um, but you know, on the, on the affiliate end, I'm really comfortable with where we are and kind of, um, certainly we can always use new affiliations and, and we want those. Um, but again, as far as a trend, I'm feeling like that's pretty stable. Where I really want to go is, is increasing our individual membership. So people that aren't affiliated with one of those local clubs, um, the sky's the limit on that. We, we certainly have a lot of individual members, but with 1.1 million anglers out in the state, I know they're, they're not all members of ours. So, uh, we definitely have, um, we, you know, the sky's the limit there in terms of uh, attracting individual members. And that's why, you know, we've developed the partnership with you for a discount code for people that want to go online and, and join after listening to this. Just type in Mike and you get 10% off. Um, you know, so we're definitely trying those kinds of things to attract those individual members. And then I want to reach back out to people that have lapsed. And this is a thing that we see in the hunting and fishing licenses sales as well, is that people come in and out sort of cyclically and depending on how the economy is going and, and what their interests are and maybe how their health is. Um, so I want to do more to, to make sure that we're not only growing our membership, but we're making sure to pick up those people that might have fallen off for a couple of years and, and work on you know bringing them back into the organization. Well, and hunters and anglers in general as a group are not typically joiners. We're more of uh, loners, individualists. So, to, so to, uh, to belong to an agency sometimes is a foreign uh, 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 a group is sometimes a foreign concept to these people. It certainly is. And the, the argument I always bring up is, you know, if you're not going to drive to Lansing and fight for your rights, 
you know, you need to invest in an organization that's going to do that for you. And certainly, you know, um, not everybody, you know, not 100% of our membership agrees with all of the different uh, policy positions we take, but certainly there's a process, it's well vetted, it's understood, and it's transparent, I hope. So, you know, people know how to engage in that side, side of the house to, um, you know, make sure their voice is, is heard. Amy, you talked about some of the things on the horizon that have you concerned. CWD, obviously, aquatic invaders, uh, decreasing numbers, declining numbers of hunters and anglers, and funding is always an issue out there. But when you look down the road, what do you see that you see is just, it's, it's like a big shining light ahead of you. What do you think is really uh, positive coming up for us here in Michigan? Well, um, you know, one big thing is certainly having my predecessor in the seat at the Department of Natural Resources now in the director's chair. Um, you know, Dan and I have known each other for over a decade in, in different roles, and I'm I'm really, really pleased at what we'll be able to do now in our, um, you know, different positions here and working together to make sure that, um, you know, for one, the department is being reflective of the the desires and and needs of the hunting and fishing community but that you know we can jointly work together on some priorities that I'm pretty excited about I think you know the there is some opportunities for new federal funding you know kind of akin to the Pittman Robertson that we've um, experienced over time um, from new different revenue sources. So um, backfilling some of that area where we can work on not just game species, but all wildlife is going to be a huge benefit. So I'm really excited about those opportunities. Of course, that's, you know, still uh, reliant on the federal government getting back into the office and, mm -hmm. and doing some work. But, um, you know, I think there are tremendous opportunities there where if we can backfill some of that um, conservation work, just general habitat stuff, that frees up our fish and game to go towards the, the, the more priority issues of hunters and anglers. It takes pressure off from having to do everything with those limited funds. So I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, certainly, you know, as we explore, uh, you know, different things with our youth um, programming, you know, we're looking more and more at on-the-ground junior, uh, getting kids outside during the school year. So using the field trips, conservation-related field trips, I think is an area where we could experience a ton of growth. Um, we're, we're having conversations right now with some local communities about doing these kinds of projects on their local conservation lands. So, so that could be an exciting avenue for us to expand and explore as well. So lots of good programming happening, lots of, lots of good things, you know, that, um, and, and partners there to work with. So I'm just trying to take as many meetings right now as I can to, <laughs> to learn about these opportunities and kind of cultivate the, the conversations as, as I go forward. All right, that'll wrap up this edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. A very special thank you to uh, new executive director, Amy Trotter. It's a pleasure, Amy, to, uh, to pick your brain a little bit and, uh, and see what your thoughts are. And I'm sure that uh, MUCC will continue to flourish under your direction. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. 
Michigan Out of Doors podcast, the website MUCC.org, MUCC.org, the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash MUCC1937, and on Instagram at MUCC1937. If you are not a member of MUCC and you love to hunt or fish or shoot or trap, or you love wildlife or conservation or natural resources issues, I think you should be a member. It's very easy to do. Go to the website, MUCC.org. That'll wrap up this edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Again, thank you, Amy Trotter, and we will talk with you folks next time right here on the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Michigan Out of Doors podcast.